Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocTalk. ZocTalk is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocTalk is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. (laughs) (laughs) Never, never, ever will we ever figure it out. Never a dull moment. Oh, Christine, oh, Christine, next week's Halloween. Ah, oh, that's cute. Thank you. That was on the fly if you couldn't tell. Why did I never realize that my name rhymes with Halloween? I also had to tell you your baby's name has is can be spelled out of Halloween letters. So, you know. You did. I mean, you also told me that her name's a little too close for comfort to the word lemon. Um, and so thus think- demon. Oh, wait, that's true. I think I just don't see what I don't want to see. You know what I mean? That's a fun game to live through life. Yeah, it is, actually. You should try it sometime. Well, happy pre-Halloween. Are are you getting in... um... Hmm, the 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 mindset are you ready to eat a lot of candy are you gonna I'm dress literally, up <laughs> I literally before we recorded was like i have to go get my candy and i went and got a <laughs> giant bag of candy and by the way folks as we record this is october 3rd so the answer is yes i'm already on my candy game um now that leona's birthday's over i am in halloween prep mode um how are you doing over there um across the nation oh you know just just Checking, just keeping the West Coast safe for you, Christine. That's how Thank I Thank you am. so much for doing that for me. And uh, as of October 3rd, my home is going to be decorated in the next 24 hours. Um, <sighs> and I'm going to be decorating the front door. Nobody else in our entire complex decorates the front door, you know? Really? Just, 
I know. And if I'm I had like, an apartment, like that's that's what I would do. Like make the front door all fun, you know. My my mom always said that when she lived in an apartment building growing up, that was the best time to go trick or treating because you could just knock on all the doors down the hall and they'd and all you don't have open to the doors at the same time. The building, and you would, I mean, run down the hall and grab everyone's candy. That's such a dream. That's it's so like nice. Eloise, you, you know. It's a, it's exactly like that, except she was in the projects. But Is you your know, mom what, Eloise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh i mean she, she felt like eloise when there was six people handing candy out all at the Fuck same time yes. so um yes everything will be decorated i don't have candy yet but i will get there and i don't have anything i'm dressing up as but you know i'm i'm Ooh. looking at getting ready for all the events all the jump scares i'm so going much. to so oh i hate that but everything else sounds like fun well anyway speaking of halloween and before we get into anything i I want to bring up last week because oh I'm feeling very, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is. I feel very. <sighs> oh, well, we've already talked to our therapist. Well, I've talked to M and M has talked to their therapist. So yeah, I've just I... talked to a therapist through M somehow. Well, um, I just felt, I just felt weird and weird isn't even the right word. It's, it's just kind of, I feel I definitely feel bad and I feel um I'll tell you what I feel. I feel slightly embarrassed. I feel embarrassed. Um, I feel kind of like I'm kicking myself a little bit and I feel like uh what's the other word? We were identifying our feelings a little bit. Um by the way, uh, when this comes out it wasn't last week cuz it came out on the first the episode we're talking about. Um but it came out, let's see, uh 3 weeks ago when this comes oh, out. Oh god, a while ago, yeah. 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 <laughs> But but for us it was like yesterday. So um, yeah. But I just I still feel kind of just weird about it. So mm -hmm. we had been told a few times um, that this is by the way in reference to us using or not using the word spooky, and mm -hmm. um, we had been told behind the scenes uh, quite a few times that you know people had been reaching out saying that that word actually was offensive and we needed to you know. Uh, you know, nix maybe it from the vocabulary. Nix it. And so that's why when we, you know, after we heard that enough times on the next episode we recorded, we brought that up and we came in too hot. And we, we I think we, we both, as you probably know, after so many episodes, we spiral. And so we had been told <laughs> this information, um, you know, right before we recorded. And so I think it was on the front of both of our minds to just like, mm -hmm. you know, address it and we should have definitely done more research beforehand uh, instead that's of what just... i'm embarrassed about a little bit i'm like yeah. i should have like we should have known better by now that like you know we don't just take things at face value without like more thought and uh research and i i feel that we kind of yeah like you said jumped too hot into the situation and I felt think we were like just... almost a, it, i think some people felt like defensive a little bit because we just kind of were like uh this We're is not the way it is anymore. yeah yeah and it, it just felt and like i mean i recognize that and um you know people have been debating online and men most people are being very you know <laughs> kind and <laughs> trying to defend us and we do really appreciate that uh but it's caused a little bit of a chaos and controversy yeah. yes amongst our listeners and we apologize for that that was not the intention especially um, during halloween season yeah. i feel like it was like a, a particularly touchy subject because mm -hmm. this is the time when everyone's saying that word but i i think um we i don't know we were we thought we were 
doing the right thing. Because if you've been listening long enough, you know that we're always trying to be on the right side of history and we have a platform and we want to, you know, address Mm -hmm. things and help educate others. But at the same time, we have a platform and we should have like known what we were talking about before we jumped right into it. Um, And so we were trying to do the right thing. And, you know, the, sometimes the right thing is also to um, (laughs) say when you were wrong, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. To to talk about (laughs) it afterward and be like, Hey, you know, and like, we know that it'll probably die down pretty soon. Like the conversation online, you know, but um, we just wanted to like, we didn't want to just like go back and delete that part of the episode and then like pretend like it never happened like revisionist history we yeah, felt like yeah. that was just kind of um insincere and so we thought we'd just say something now and just say you know we talked to several people who have said like you know i a lot of people who chimed in were people of color and we were like oh thank god like some people are putting their own personal you know uh spin on it letting us know what their experience is and that is something we should have done before we talked about it on this show. We just but... heard it was, we just heard enough times that it was offensive and we went, okay, well, we're not going to say it anymore, which usually works. Usually but, that works pretty damn well. Yeah. But then all of a sudden there there were people saying like, oh, this information only came from one article and we hadn't even done any any research. We were totally going off of like, like people I looked, just reaching article, out and saying. But that's the one perspective I read. Like I read that one article. I didn't like really dive into it. And that is my fault. And again, I'm quite embarrassed about that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, we, anyway so we, all that to say, I don't know. What's the what's the thesis statement, M? It sounds like 95% of people are saying that it's an okay word to say. And other than that one article mm-hmm. that... I guess someone else had read and, and relayed to us. And um, I mean, it sounds like it's an okay word to say, but I, I also, you know, it's such a touchy subject now because we like, we've you created know, like a big we've uh, created a monster. Like teams almost. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's really not even that bad. It's, you know, it's just a few people who are kind of debating, which is fair um, and understandable. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that there's a discourse about it. You know, Absolutely. that like I want, I, if there's anything we want out of this podcast, it's that we want to, you know, educate other people like us to even just think about these kinds of things. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm grateful that it seems like most people are having civil discourse on this. Yes, um, yes, definitely. But now I'm I'm kind of at a loss because I feel like, oh, it sounds like it's an OK thing to say, but now I'm going to be paranoid every time I say it. So maybe just, t- you know, time will heal I that. Think, but Yeah, I think we just need to, like, wait to uh, hear. I don't know. Wait. Yeah. Like you said, give it some time. Like, wait for other people's perspectives um, before we, you know, totally lean one direction or another. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And just apologize for, you know, uh, creating a little bit of uh, kerfuffle, which was not the intention of our our yeah. statement. It really was it, not. But No, we were, we were just trying to do the right thing, and it Whoops. backfired. So... Whoopsies. Um, okay, I just wanted to address that before Halloween season was over, and then all of a sudden we like, you know, if we're ever going to talk about it, it should be during Halloween season. Yeah, I right? agree. So. And like, I'm like, what if we say spooky sometime, and then people are like, really? Now you're just totally 180ing on your own thing. And so, yeah, we wanted to be like fully transparent and say, whoops, like we clearly hear you guys. <laughs> we we came we in too of, hot. We came, we came in way, in way too, hot. too hot, and we apologize, and uh, we will. Uh, use this as a a learning lesson you know yeah yeah yeah. well 
other than that, is there a reason why you drink, Christy? Well, that's pretty much a big one. I did cry yesterday. It did break through the Zoloft. I, I, and again, no. I wasn't like upset with the listeners or anything. I was just embarrassed, really. And I think um, yeah. I don't handle that well, like the kind of shame of that. So well, uh, my, I did my a therapist, reflection. Yeah. I was telling Christine, my therapist called it a critique of our character because. Yeah, it, is it, well, how we perceived it, at least. It, yeah. Yeah. Is that we we felt like. um yeah we just we like we felt like we, we were being called like accused of being performative and stuff which you know is a, f- a fair thing to call people out for um but but we you know, really were trying to be so genuine we, we really <laughs> so, were I, yeah we really were but but i also yeah. it was like a critique on our uh, a self-critique on our character too of yeah. just like oh like what is that like what do i need to work on so anyway it was a big emotional day for both of us yesterday but yeah um anyway what uh i had a different reason why i drank um oh i'm um i found an old picture of my i'm going through my my photo frames my like my whole wall and i was i found this old picture of like a family member it looks like it's the first picture to ever exist it's from like the 1840s or something what it's the old i and they're apparently related to me um (laughs) and i was like what if i just find all of these like old archived family pictures and put them in the the picture frames on my wall and just make it look like I bought all these from like spirit Halloween where it's like oh, those pictures where you walk by funny. and it may become a, it looks like they turn to a zombie or something if you walk too far past the picture. Oh yeah. So yeah. anyway, I, I drink this week because I'm now going through all of ancestry. <laughs> I didn't have enough pictures. So now I have to like scour ancestry to find my oldest relative on each side of the family. And I'm going to print them out and put them on our walls and make them permanent photos until Allison wants to change it. But permanent pictures of your home. I mean, exactly. That's so a recipe like... for a haunting, but okay, you do you, I guess. I know. I'm like, would I, will I feel like they're staring at me all the time? I don't know. Yeah, um, definitely. I will if they're behind you while we record. We'll find out. So actually that would be a great backdrop, wouldn't it? I, it's actually a, kind of an ideal backdrop because it's like meaningful, but also a little scary. Yeah. We'll shop like it. We'll it. shop it. Anyway, well, that's why I drink. I'm currently going, I'm I'm doing a deep dive of any photographic evidence that, um, <laughs> you know, people in my bloodline existed all those years ago. So <sighs> that's why I drink. I love it. Well, I drink because Leona's birthday party was a roaring success. How she was it? Was it? It was, what? She, it was so fun. It really went so great. Uh, I'll, I actually took photos this year. Last year, we like barely got any pictures. This year, I like tasked everybody with taking photos. I even gave my phone to someone else and was like, just take photos for me. Um, so I'll post those online. It was just really sweet and fun. And it was like 70 people it was crazy whoa um, who did yeah, you invite was, what the hell it's <laughs> a lot of people came a lot of our family in-laws um kids from leona's toddler program uh you know friends in the area it was how's a, the how's a the banger. cleanup situation from that well, my mother-in-law was in town and i woke up the next day and my house was cleaner than it was before the party oh my so God. i was like uh listen i feel extremely lucky uh and it was really great. And now the house is kind of quiet. I, I've taken three naps in the last two days because I'm for you. so freaking exhausted. I, um, the, the amount of planning that goes into a party, no one ever appreciates it. It's, it's wild. I, daunting. Like my, they came over and were like, 
all of this is for the party and i was like yeah and they were like this isn't like doubles you didn't accidentally order doubles of something and i was like <laughs> no all of these boxes need to be opened and used it was many days of prep work which i know was I'm not sure. necessary and i always tell myself like oh i'll do really low key this year like who do i think i'm kidding you know well also um, like because my thought too i i would i would turn into you by the way let's be clear but my oh, my yeah. brain without a baby is like even my own mom she's like you don't remember when i did this this and this for you and i was like i was fucking two no yeah I don't that remember. wasn't for me that was for the grown-ups <laughs> yeah so in my mind i'm like i won't really do anything like mind-blowing until my child can even remember it but yeah. i would still find a way to go over the but top but it's so. fun because it's sort of like oh now you have kind of an excuse to invite everyone over and exactly like, great it's like all the photos and we did like a little guest book where people wrote in her copy of hungry caterpillar little messages like a little guest book for the party and people wrote her little notes for the future and so Very every cute. year we're gonna have like a different guest book just little fun stuff like that and i don't know it was obviously i know it was more fun for me uh, than she was probably, probably just like what is going on here she was a <laughs> like pardon the pun she was a social butterfly Ooh. like she was running around and just like high-fiving everyone she went through this one hour through the party she would just wander around and pat everyone on the leg like just even people she's never met just pat them twice on the leg keep That's walking so sweet just say hi to everyone do the rounds um what's it so like to have fun. a toddler now she's not she's a baby too. anymore She's so big. Uh, she's a little chatterbox. Um, I can't wait for you to see her again, Em, because my mother-in-law saw her in August in Germany. And then she came this time and she's like, holy crap. Like, she's speaking in full sentences. She's singing. She's making jokes. Like, I feel like every week there's new developments. So Making jokes? Like, she thinks they're funny, but. <laughs> okay. Well, <all laughs> like, right. she makes herself laugh. So, I mean, which makes everyone else laugh, but. Yeah, I feel like uh, you you two will have a good time when whenever I, you reconnect again. It's about to um the era is about to begin. Yeah, because uh -huh. I don't I don't do well with babies because I can't I can't explain to them how funny I am. Right. Um, cuz you know, you have they, to explain to adults how funny you are. Yeah. Well, like they can't like it's not clicking, you know. It's not clicking the right way, but once like she understands like oh no i'm a person i'm the director of funville like then all of a sudden she's gonna be like i fucking like you like originally she's be like that's the fun crowd she's gonna that's be like, the one i want to be part of she's gonna be like you were just holding me like boring but like boring. once i'm like hey let's do this this and this and all these things your mom won't let you do all of a sudden she's gonna be like oh that fucking guy yeah let's be friends you know <laughs> Oh, Funkle M is here to play. Funkle M waited two years, but Funkle M's about to get crazy. So M's about to um, throw down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, anyway, looking forward to that. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out 
a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, my story for you this week Christine, because I wanted uh-huh. to get into the Halloween spirit. Um, I thought you would appreciate this. Uh-huh. This is the lore of the black cat. <gasps> so cat girlies to the front, cat girlies to the front. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. So here is a brief history, uh, a 101. Here comes, here comes Eva. I'm screaming. <laughs> Eva and I are in the front row. As someone who uh, has a black cat, both of you, I feel like you'll really appreciate this episode. Shadow and Moonshine. Shout out. Two of the best names. I know Shadow is like probably the most like obvious name for a black cat, but it, it's one of those. It's it's a classic. Like it's I so good. I had a good. cat named a black cat named Shadow also growing up. It's a great name for a cat. It's a great name. I had a black cat growing up. Um, he did not have a cool name, but I didn't get to name him. To be well, what's his name? So, his name was Rocky. Blech. But like, That's I want cute. I wanted a shadow. I wanted a moonshine. Well, I, I not a moonshine, but something cool, you know? I feel like Rocky was just kind of like low grade. Like, it's a good name, but <laughs> like it's not Buddy original. Or something. Yeah. Which is also like, a good name. Don't be offended, everyone. I'm just saying, like, you know, your classic, like Rufus, Buddy. Yeah. It's like there wasn't too much originality to it. I feel like someone just kind of threw that name out and it just stuck. So yeah. I tried for a while to shop Rocket. No one wanted that, but Rocky. <laughs> I wanted something dope, but whatever. Rocky Raccoon. So, um, anyway, to all my cat girlies, here we are. This hey. is 
the black cat. Now, black Yay. cats are often known as um, they're associated with Halloween superstitions. They're often seen as witches familiars. Mm. And in modern Western superstitions, they're associated with trickery and evil magic and bad luck. Uh Oh, mm. <laughs> before this, we're going to do a deep dive into the history of the cat. Um, and before this, many cultures for thousands of years linked cats with magic, gods, and the afterlife. So this Ooh. goes forever back. Historically, cats started out in good favor with humans. And this is like 10,000 years ago, it's thought that we began to live amongst cats or cats began to live amongst us. 10,000. Jeez. I can't even... My brain doesn't work that way, but it's said that that long ago we began to live alongside each other. Um, fun fact, the very first evidence of a pet cat, 9,500 years ago. Wow. A pet cat? A pet cat. Aww. Because uh, there's a 9,500-year-old burial site in Cyprus, and uh, a cat is buried next to a human. They found mm. the remains of both. And this, by the way, predates Egyptian cats by like wow. around like 4,000 years. That um, had to be, you had to, that probably, that guy was probably like that guy in the neighborhood where everyone was like, this guy <laughs> with his like friggin' cat that he's befriended. Like it must have been such a weird concept. Like it must have been weird. He but had he the knew, first pet cat, you know? But he, he loved that cat. He was the Eva of 10,000 years ago. Yeah, he know? was. He's like, I give zero fucks what you guys think about me. <laughs> He's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) So they were buried together. And I said that this was in Cyprus, but Cyprus wasn't an area where cats were native to the area. So it's theorized even further that not only did these two become buddies, but humans must have brought cats with them to travel there. Oh, that's cute. So they, you know, moved around together. Um, Precious. This shows that humans were associating with cats thousands of years earlier than scholars originally thought, because they originally thought maybe in Egypt is when the relationship right. really got That's big. That's kind of what I thought. Well, it's thought that we began living alongside cats in the Fertile Crescent, which mm-hmm. depending on the scholar, that could be modern day Iraq, uh, Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Palestine, or Egypt. So um, everyone's got a different opinion on where that area is, but... Um, they think that cats and humans started hanging out in this area because at this time in this area, that was where housing, um, started attracting a lot of rodents because they would keep crops and grain storage near the permanent homes. Oh, right. And so since these homes were like the first to have food nearby all the time, this was the first area where rodents were just everywhere. And that does make sense. These settlements were great hunting grounds for cats who were hunting rodents or eating our trash to survive. Mm -hmm. And eventually the cats just kind of stuck around and we saw them as free pest control. So we kept them around and didn't have a problem with it. And I guess over time we just started bonding with them and they became our friends. So also fun fact, in ancient Rome, soldiers would keep cats in their forts because rats were known to chew on armor and equipment. So cats were important during (laughs) war. Uh, listen look at them they know their worth they have known for ten thousand years yeah Um, they're like duh (laughs) (laughs) no wonder they're so snooty they're just like i fucking know my father and his father before him we were (laughs) 
helping in ancient <laughs> Roman wars, okay? I come from a... I'm going to get Moonshine's ancestors old photos from Ancestry and hang them up behind me <laughs> while you do your your Ancestry wall. I'm going to have Moon's Ancestry wall behind me. I am telling you, if like like when men are always thinking about the Roman Empire, I hope they're including <laughs> the thought of cats saving the day, you know? If if I if that were like the angle, I would probably also think of the Roman Empire every week, you know? Right. All of a sudden yeah. it makes sense. I'm like, it oh, does. I, I that I can get behind. <laughs> yeah. So cats might have had um an ancient spiritual significance. Uh, in cultures that are now lost to time, but later in Egypt, they definitely had a huge spiritual significance. Um, Egyptians believed that cats were of this world and other worlds. They could cross into both and that they were divine protectors of the underworld. And so they were guides for the dead and they were peace bringers. They also thought that cats represented fertility and power and justice. And Mm. they were seen as protectors and hunters, they were seen as both because not only could they control the rat population, but the snake population. Oh. So they were hunters for the rats, but they were protecting us the entire time because they could also take down snakes that would kill us. Damn. So they had a immediately they were known as like having a duality to them of like being protective, protective, but also dangerous. Ooh. Um, uh cats have also been associated with a lot of egyptian uh a lot of deities but especially the egyptian goddess uh bastet or bast who was the she it looked like a a female figure with the head of a lion um Mm. and then over time it actually evolved into the head of a domestic cat so oh um I wonder if it was like, oh, because she's so fierce like a lion, but then people started making friends with cats that it just kind of the like, depiction I want it to of her. to look a little more like my cat, Bob, so yeah, I'm going to exactly. alter it. <laughs> the image changed to Bob. So, Aww. Um, but this goddess, she was the goddess of protection and good health and pleasure. And Egyptians also often depicted cats as dedicated to serving humanity. So they, again, had a dual nature where they were um, deadly but protective. Wow. In Japanese folklore, cats were also dual-natured animals because they could walk between worlds, um, but they were less serving to humanity, so they weren't really there for you. We were just lucky to be in their presence. Yeah, well, that seems like we've come back around to that angle. I feel like, especially Juniper is like, can confirm. Correct. Um, Juniper's like, now you're (laughs) onto something. (laughs) Uh, They were known to cause either... uh, because they were seen as less serving to humans and they had more of a free will, right. they were seen as huge problems because they we couldn't predict what they were doing. You and they can't can either... like train them like a dog. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can, but not quite as easily. Well, so because of that, they were mischievous and they <laughs> could either bring you great fortune or really bad fortune. Uh-oh. So that might be the beginning of where we see us not totally knowing what cats are all about every now and then that they've they've got a little more independence to them uh in norse history cats were again magical creatures who would bring good luck but only if owners treated them well so now they've got conditions now Um, that i could get on board with though like yeah you should treat them well yeah i that i'm totally down for Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden it's like oh now we've got boundaries okay now we've got demands okay it demands exactly so Cats were used in Norse rituals uh, in one of the stories to bind one of Loki's children. One of the ingredients was the sound of a cat's footfall. Whoa. Which 
kind of ironic because I feel like you can never hear a cat's footfall. But... Have you heard Junie walk down the stairs? Oh, we yeah, almost called mind. the police once. We thought it was a man, like a man was in the house, and it was literally Juniper. He's so effing loud, like the house shakes when he walks down the stairs. I'm sure there's a story to that of uh, or a, a reason to that mythologically of like, oh, he's one of the ones that we would have needed for Loki's children, you know? Oh, maybe. He's like, I'm just stomping around in case anyone needs to hear my footfalls, okay? <laughs> well, also in Norse mythology, there was Freya, who was a goddess who rode a chariot pulled by two cats. Aww. And she was the goddess of love. So she was linked with fertility and sexuality and femininity, which is some of the things that cats became associated with mm. was especially like the slinkiness, you know, sure. Um, in Norse tradition, there are also early stories of black cats being associated with fearsome magic and power. There's one story of a gigantic black cat um, that could breathe fire and killed 20 men in just a few minutes. So. Oh, no. That's called a dragon, but whatever. <laughs> They're actually descendants, kind of like how chickens are descendants of dinosaurs. Um, Makes cats perfect are descendants sense. Of dragons. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Thank you. Um, there's also a an, an Icelandic story of a man who owned 20 black cats because, uh, and he, or sorry, he owned 20 black cats and he used sorcery to make them powerful. So now all cats are powerful. Ooh. Um, the cats terrorized his neighborhood and... Uh, they ended up being called Hell Cats, but Hell mm. was for the daughter of Loki, who is the goddess of the underworld. So this brings us back to the original theories oh, that they that's fun. go in between both worlds. Okay. So this is kind of the the early beginnings of black cats specifically being associated with the underworld and thus big scary monsters and thus the unknown. Yeah. Um, other associations with... Um, like cats being linked to sorcery or cats being linked to the dead um, or even like because they were associated in some way to femininity. And thus, like I said, the slinkiness, yeah. um, they, these kind of associations really took hold after Christianity came into Europe or took hold in Europe. So um, now all of a sudden cats are really all about witchcraft and the dead and sexuality. Mm. So you can see how quickly we jump into now. Sexuality what, is like a bad thing because it represents like, sinning or it's like the opposite of purity and all that yeah well especially because it was linked to sexuality and femininity and god forbid oh, a woman right. be sexual god forbid. Right? yeah that's not that's a wrong kind of sexuality there's no such thing it doesn't exist um, <laughs> it's true it's all made up <laughs> so uh for one thing christian missionaries uh were especially critical of freya because she was a goddess expressing sexual power um, and she was associated with cats. And so now not only her, but cats are threats to Christian beliefs. Yeah. So, Amen. <laughs> so, so stupid. Cats were also, because they were associated with um, sorcery, uh, they uh, were now also associated with Hecate, who I've talked about. And she mm -hmm. was the Greek goddess of magic, sorcery, witchcraft. So this further links cats to not just... Um, you know sexuality and things that christian uh heavy christian beliefs were against but now if it, the cat is also linked to witchcraft it's linking them to paganism true evil you know yeah, yeah. throughout the medieval era opinions on cats went back and forth because they were still seen as practical livestock um especially if you lived in a city and there were more rat rodents mm. um so having cats around just to keep rodents at bay um they also 
you know, cats were still seen as good because they were technically protecting our food. They were keeping homes sure. clean. And during the medieval era, they were preventing disease. So Okay, yeah, fair point. So in some ways, it's like, yeah, we've got all these things going for us um, uh, where we're against cats, but also they're a really useful tool. And yeah. that brings them back in good standing. But cats being essentially nocturnal and more active at night made them still seem mysterious and threatening and looming. Mm. So even though they were useful, they were still linked to creatures of the old gods and forgotten magic and threatening Christianity. And they're still a little creepy because they move around at night. What are you up to? Um, and they don't say what I... you say and their tails flick around and they stare at you and you feel like they're reading your soul. You know, just also, little things like that. Also, I'm sure like even the the original root of like all the way back to Japanese folklore of like cats are independent. I feel like that wasn't a big thing that Christianity was mm. looking for either. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, you have to like be obedient and all this stuff. And cats are like, I'm doing whatever the fuck I cats want. Cats are so. like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And then they just like knock your water glass over and they're like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> it's like, Oh my God. Okay. You are a little scary. They really will do anything. One of Deirdre's cats last time I slept over, I woke up to it licking my eyelid, like oh, Ew. With sandpaper tongue. <laughs> Oh my god! It felt demonic. It felt really awful. It, uh, yeah, certainly that nothing good was happening there. No, no. Oof, woof. That felt like uh, that alone. I was like, "Be gone, demon!" You know, <laughs> be gone, demon. You did convert to Christianity that day, which yeah, makes a lot of sense now. Anytime yeah. I'm around that cat, I just start saying Hail Marys. It's very interesting. <laughs> Protect um, me. <laughs> so these are now, you know, although useful, they are seen as eerie creatures we don't we don't know everything about them they're linked to old gods right. and to tip the scales even further um now we have the one of the first rises of satanist panics and witch trials and cats especially black cats are assigned to the devil because uh -huh. it, in medieval times that was the beginning of this there was one writer who even claimed that the devil would take form of a black cat to seek out followers so if you saw a black cat the devil was coming after you Oh, boy. And when talking about this is the same medieval writer, uh, he he said, this is a quote uh, about satanic followers um, hanging out with black cats and the devil. This is a quote. The devil descends as a black cat before his devotees. Worshippers put out the light and draw near and they feel him. They feel after him. And when they have found him, they kiss him under the tail. Ew! Uh, right on his little. Ew! First of all, the the first part of that was all correct. That the devil does descend as a black cat, and we all worship him. <laughs> but the rest of it, like that's just gross, guys. And you Come feel on. around for him in the dark, and yeah. First of all, can you imagine feeling around for a black cat in the pitch black, and then grabbing a hold of its tail? <laughs> like getting anywhere near that cat no absolutely and as not. if the cat would ever be like okay with that come on right right so anyway that one sentence was a lot even for 2023 so i imagine in medieval era it really just threw people <laughs> into a tizzy. outrageous yeah <laughs> so now people are linking black cats to not just satan but you know satanic followers satanic rituals and also just general uncleanliness and degrading humiliation <sighs> because horrible. you're kissing a cat on the, the on his little spot that's just um, bullying so now black cats equal devil and 
Pope Gregory IX actually heard these stories and declared himself that black cats were in cahoots with the devil. Okay. So Pope Gregory was a little um, trigger happy with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that being said, though, even though the Pope was like black cats are bad, a lot of and cats in general, he said, were bad. But nuns in monasteries actually ignored the Pope a lot and kept cats in their churches and in their homes because they were still useful animals. So I feel like it's, um, I don't know a good example of this, but it feels like the cats are like, yeah, we've got a bad rep, but like we still have a skill everybody needs. We have so something like, to we, offer. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like we you're, s- oh, we still keep getting invited to that? the party. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that. Oh, I, yeah. I know exactly what you're trying to say. Like it, it's like that guy have... at the office that everyone fucking hates, but he's the only one who knows Excel, you know, it's like, okay. That is such a good way to put it. It's like, man, we really don't want to be around this guy. He's kind of a douchebag, but like, how else are we going to get these spreadsheets done? Exactly. So that's how these cats are just prevailing after era after era after era. It's like understood. People, it's like that Miley Cyrus quote when she's like, "These motherfuckers are trying to kill me, but I'm back. I'm back." And so like, they <laughs> it's just hate like that. black cats. Every single one of them <laughs> hate fucking black cats, but they're still hanging out in your but church. They need Pope. them. They need exactly. Em. So uh, there are rumors that the Pope even launched an inquisition into cats, like against oh, for God's cats. Sake. Um, and he led Catholic followers to start killing cats in mass throughout uh, Europe. No, um, that's not cool, man. That's really so not cool. Lucky for us, the truth is kind of unknown on this. It's like speculative that that happened. <sighs> but in the 1200s, the leader of the Catholic Church did take an anti-cat stance, whether or not he also ordered people to kill them. Um, so no matter what, cats were hated. This was a rough time to be a cat. Jeez. Um, after this... Cats started showing up more and more as symbols of blasphemy, symbols of sacrilege. And it got to where a bunch of Christian sects, if they were trying to separate from the Catholic Church, they were accused of worshiping cats, not worshiping the devil or pagan idols, but worshiping cats. (laughs) Um, So if they're like, I don't want to be Catholic anymore. Oh, you're a cat worshiper. Uh, Loser. <laughs> meow, meow, <laughs> meow. Yeah, you know they were taunted. That's <laughs> so evil. So, um, more rumors led to the belief that devil worshippers allowed cats to even participate in their rituals with humans. Okay. So now cats are becoming like, I guess, this, like anthropomorphic. Like they know how to like perform rituals with human beings. I guess. Yeah. I feel like it's like they've, even though they were trying to vilify cats, they've now turned them into like these larger than life, like yes. characters that have like all this agency and control. And it's like, I think you're kind of doing the opposite of what you were originally intending to do. You've made them a lot more powerful in people's eyes. Yeah. You've accidentally um, shot them to stardom. I'm afraid. Right? Um, like, it's kind of weird. I'm like, what were you thinking was going to happen? Well, so it was it was still a way to um, scare a lot of people in the Catholic Church, because since cats were able to participate in rituals, they were seen as equals where this was an insult to the Christian belief that humans are above all animals. Um, Okay, okay, I see. So it's like, oh, if they can do these things, they must be unnatural. Right. Okay, okay, okay. So soon cats start popping up in accusations against witches all over Europe. Uh-huh. Um, and there was actually it, just, just one example of this in 1324, 
there's a woman named Alice and she was accused by her own stepkids who were hungry for her money. They accused her of witchcraft. They said that she was using magic to seduce and kill her husbands, including their own father. Okay. And one accusation against her was that the only way she became a witch was that she was having sex with a demon to gain power. Um, and the demon appeared as a black cat and she would even have sex with oh, the demon in the form come of a cat. On. Okay. So now they're turning into bestiality shit. Great. Exactly. And so and which is another like gross misconception of like the occult or you yeah. know satanists is like oh well they're just having sex with animals or something horrible so this is one of the first times we see an accusation like that so it was incredibly outrageous then but unfortunately as more witch trials happened this became a more common accusation right um luckily alice fled town before she was tried but this accusation actually helped black cats in a bad way have solid footing and legal proceedings and being deemed as actually evil um that Uh, courts were taking this seriously the crazy part to think about too is like they have like if you really think about it they have no idea what the fuck is going on like they have no idea like we're saying like back then they were all saying oh they're they have all these nefarious plans and they're literally in their head are just like meow 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 like they have (laughs) literally no idea what's going on i want chicken i want yeah literally (laughs) 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 meow mix meow mix please deliver and they're like oh they are the spawn of the devil it's just so weird like they they had no fucking clue what was happening no they just had little fuzzy tummies and paws and they were just maybe they if they ever saw a fish in their life it'd be a good day yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) these poor cats but like also like yeah it's just it's wild that they could have no concept of what evil even is and that they are perceived globally they're part of a court trial they're like What's a court trial? It's like explaining trial? taxes to an ant. It's like yes, explain it's a, like you're part of my tax deduction. It's explain like, what are you talking religion about? and witchcraft and court trials, and you're all at the forefront <laughs> of this. <laughs> it's just so absurd to think about. It's absurd. Oh, these poor things. And so I wonder if that was also part of like the power dynamic, right? Of like, oh well, we can keep blaming these things. True. That we like, don't have to. What are feel they going to do? For. Yeah, yeah, they can't argue back. Well, over time, witchcraft and sorcery evolved into the public legal issue it became, and courts started interrogating accused witches of conspiring with cats. And so this evolved again, where cats weren't direct incarnations of Satan, but they were witches' familiars. And that to conspire mm-hmm. with black cats, you were conspiring with a middleman to to Satan. Okay. Um, which is interesting because I feel like the flip side, like they'd start as a middleman and be a, and evolve into the devil himself. You think so? Whatever. Things are surprising. Listen, um, whatever. None of this so, makes much sense. So I don't know. Why I'm trying to find logic here. So soon, black cats were said to help witches in all sorts of ways. Now that they were seen as their familiars, they were known as maybe not performing witchcraft themselves, but being um, uh, some sort of help meet for witchcraft so they were Mm. running witches errands like getting ingredients for spells or taking messages to the devil or bewitching your enemies and witches at one point were even said to ride cats like brooms um (laughs) which like is the most bizarre thing to me like i can't imagine sitting on a cat and the cat taking off at flight like geo's probably four times heavier than all my cats i could never even sit on geo and get any like he would call off his arms 
all of his arms would splat out in different directions. He would just like- <laughs> be a splat on the ground. So I don't understand what type of logic that is, but whatever. Yeah, unless by cat they mean like a Jungle lion. Cat. Like yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so that was apparently a theory at one point. But I guess that's the magic of it, that it defies physics, right? I suppose so. So in several trials, kids that, you know, how kids were always, like, coerced into saying things under duress. I hate that shit. They would say that um, cats were sent to them by witches in town, which I guess, like, that that makes me feel sad because maybe that's a kid trying not to blame an adult. And (gasps) they were trying to blame a random cat. But they were saying, oh, a cat was sent to me by a witch and the cat made me sick. So the witch is poisoning me in some way. I and see. some of the some of the sick kids reported that cats would be in the room with them even when others couldn't see them. So this could have been mental illness. This could have been coercion. Yeah. We don't know. Um, but they would say that there were cats all around them. How could nobody else see them? And they'd say that the cat would keep them awake all night. So it would keep them from getting better from when they got sick or the mm. cat would bite them and scratch them or like straight up speak to them and like oh god um other witnesses claimed that they did see cat shaped things moving under their blankets but if they pulled the blanket back there was never Ew. an actual cat so uh, you know take that with a very large grain of salt i will and black cats became a prominent symbol of the local witch and local witches were even rumored to be feeding cats her own blood or even breast milk just so they were connected in some way and oh god crazy like so cats are also vampires like Like, yeah they're like trying to find any ridiculous thing to get people riled up yeah i feel like i'm just listing random accusations from witch trials at this point yeah um and this is where we have heard of the phrase before of like witches marks where basically if you had any fucking blemish they would use that as an excuse that you're Mm. a witch they said that these witch marks were special nipples to feed their familiars for fuck's sake if you had a birthmark apparently your cat was suckling from it to god damn it to have your blood in them This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access 
to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. In the 1700s to the 1800s, this is when owning a cat as a pet starts to be seen as a good exercise, and that's because this is in, like, royal England, that, like, they're even though it seemed as negative and there's witch trials going on, they saw um, owning a pet in general as a good way to teach responsibility to kids and all this stuff. But because cats still had this negative thing going on and they weren't portrayed very well, a lot of times that's why you'll see that old English people had dogs as pets because Uh dogs didn't have the association with evil. Right. So in the 171800s it was mainly dogs. They actually even said that dogs represented the English because they were loyal and brave and steadfast. And okay. yeah, and England thought that dogs best represented them, but cats were still associated with like rodents and witches. So um <laughs> so don't get a cat. Um <clears throat> but now Let's deep dive. This is still in England, and this is in the late 1800s where we see a shift because there's this is a, a bit of a deep dive. This was where I thought, like, should I add this to my notes? Yes. And then I thought I should. Mm-hmm. In the 1860s, people are still getting mainly dogs. They're not really into cats. There's this one guy who fucking loves cats. Okay. He fucking doesn't care. He loves cats. His name is Harrison Weir. And he organized the very first cat show. What? (laughs) He loved cats before anyone else. He wanted to prove to England how wonderful cats were by displaying them for the world. And he called cats, there's two quotes in one, he called cats possibly the most perfect and certainly the most domestic of animals and an object of increasing interest, admiration, and uncultured (laughs) beauty. And then... In comparison to dogs, he said, cats can unlatch doors or even knock with their paws for admittance. They catch rats and mice. They are full of sense. The dog is generally useless and the cat, a pet or not, is of service. The dog is useless. I'm sure people love that. Yeah, especially like fuck you England where like we've been keeping dogs for almost 200 years. Oh, your animal that you associate with? What a loser. (laughs) So he hosts his very first show in London at the Crystal Palace, but there was such little interest because nobody fucking liked cats Uh that he had to, he realized that the Crystal Palace where he was going to host the cat show. Right. There, one of the ways that they kept rats low in the palace was because they had all these fucking stray cats everywhere. Oh my God. So he hired workmen to 
catch the strays and enter them into the competition because he didn't have real entrance for his show. Because how do you have a cat show where nobody's going to bring in a cat because nobody owns a cat because nobody likes cats? So he literally just but you're got trying a to bunch prove of... that you that cats are great. Yeah. <laughs> so he just got a bunch of fucking stray cats and put them in his Stop cat it. show. Stop it right uh, now. <laughs> and. The show ended up being a success and cats became more welcome in the eyes of the public. And what they was actually the show like, was it, it like feats of strength? Was it like, it was like a, like a, like a, like a dog show today where it's like, they like go based on their hoops. Their, their, no, not like a, a events. I think it was like a, like a, basically a pretty competition. Like, I think oh, it was like, so it's just like to show them to show them truly. It's like, a here's a coat. bunch of cats sitting in cages. Right. Great. Although I wonder, because there is one cat named Fulmer, and he was a champion show cat who ended up earning 150 prizes. Yeah, he was. So I don't know what the hell Fulmer did besides like take a nap in Fulmer. his cage. But um, so anyway, the he it ended up working out really well. People liked cats by the end, and this actually did almost like a 180 in England because cats went from being like gross pest control and linked with witchcraft to being I guess because it was like a cat show, it became cats became associated with like the upper class mm. and they became connected to like upper class snobbery. So, oh my, if you're wondering when people think to, that cats to this day are very like snooty, it might go all the way back to the 1860s first cat show. Um, this is bananas. So it, this helped them become more of a common pet because now even the upper class wanted in on this. And in 1887, only like 10 years later, Harrison Weir also founded the National Cat Club. <laughs> and the next cat show he hosted went from having barely any entrance and had having to use strays to having over 300 cats be Shut entered into his competition. the fuck up. That's and hilarious. <laughs> Ladies Realm Magazine, they made uh, an article, they wrote an article about Harrison Weir saying that he had, quote, done wonders for the amelioration of pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and for that, he deserves my a deep round dive. of applause. <laughs> There's my deep dive. Um, wow. So as of the 1900s, cats were in with England, but a few years before that, you know, the colonies in the U.S. are being created, and this is at the time when cats are still seen as associated with witches. Black cats are evil. Um, and so sure. when we get to the colonies in the U.S., the witch trials become, um, you know, even when they become a thing of the past, the folklore of black cats has remained after all this time. So, um so, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so we're in the U.S. now. So in Southern and Appalachian lore, now that the, you know, the stories of black cats have come over to the U.S., there's now lore talking about black cats appearing as familiars for devils and witches and malicious spirits. Black cats have also become associated with crossroads folklore, mm. um, and that's where people go to do rituals. And so people thought, oh, if you're at a crossroad, cats could be there. Uh, this is also possibly due to the association between cats and Hecate because she's also mm. a deity linked to crossroads. And today there are a number of superstitions about black cats still being maybe not evil, but still bringing an omen to you or bad luck. So that's where we are in today's world where 
people say that a black cat crossing your path brings you bad luck. Mm-hmm. Um, this could also be rooted in the belief that cats are synonymous with intersections with crossroads. So that's oh, why they cross I never your thought path. about that. Yeah. Um, and it could mean that the witch or the devil himself is passing by you. And now we think of the cat, the black cat itself as the cause of trouble instead of it being a devil. We just think the cat right. is inherently unlucky. Right. It's also said that black cats, if they gather around a house, uh, that's, uh, oh no, it's said that black cats will gather around a house when there's a dead body inside, like vultures, which is oh. eerie. Um, an Appalachian superstition says that if a cat licks its fur backwards, trouble is on the way. Licks its and fur backwards. Oh, okay. So instead of licking it down, licking it the other direction. Okay. Um, if a strange black cat looks through your window, the entire house will have bad luck. Oh. If if a black cat wanders through the door of a wake, another family member will soon die. Oh no. I will say if I was at a wake and I saw a black cat, I would get a little heebie jeebies out of that. I'd be out of there. I'd be like, who invited this guy? Yeah, I'd be like, go <laughs> home. Um Black cats will climb into babies' cribs and steal their breath while they sleep. Okay, and that's a rumor though. You're not you're saying that's just a no, obviously, obviously, okay, okay, that's okay. a rumor. I'm just making um, sure. That's one of the superstitions that if you have I a see, baby, to not let a black cat get near them because they'll climb into the crib and steal their sleep. Yes, I hear. Or, I heard that when I was pregnant. This, yeah, it's actually an old explanation for SIDS. Yeah. So, yep. 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 Um, due to their association with witches, black cats are strongly linked, obviously, to modern day Halloween. And seeing a black mm-hmm. cat on Halloween is said to be especially bad luck. Um. Mm. I don't know if you remember this, but I had a black cat in the early 2000s. Um, shout out Rocky. Um, in the 2000s, there was a rumor that kind of went everywhere. I thought this was this predated the 2000s, but I guess this was was just of our era that on Halloween people would try to attack black cats. Yes, I remember that because we remember... also had, we had two black cats, Shadow and Smokey, at Aww. that time, and they were outdoor and... cats, so we were like, uh oh. Exactly. So there were PSAs about bringing your cat inside on Halloween Aww. because people would try to kill cats to avoid the Was that bad actually luck. true or not really? I think it was just a rumor. I'm sure there was some asshole who tried, but you know, sure, just to... I think that was a rumor. Okay. Um but that was it was like to prevent bad luck you kill a black cat, but the other rumor is that if you kill a black cat, that cat will curse you. Maybe okay. with jail time. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was like, I'll fucking curse you if you kill a black cat. The legal system will Happily. curse you. Despite their negative association, some say that black cats are actually the total opposite and bring you good luck. There's another Appalachian legend that if you gently tug on a black cat's tail, it brings good luck. Um, Vikings. <laughs> so try that with I'm sure they love that. I love I'm sure they love that theory. Vikings even kept cats on their ships for good luck and an old Irish remedy for sore eyes. Get ready, Christine. Do this with moonshine. Dip a black cat's tail in cream, eye cream, rub the tail on your eyes three times in a circular motion, chanting, may I be cured. You know what you can also do? For dry eyes? For dry eyes, it's eye cream. It's like, well, it's fucking eye cream. Just rub that on your eyes. You don't need the black cat's tail. Are you sure it's not like cream? Like cream cream? I think it's eye cream. Oh, okay. Either way, cream, I imagine, it's like, it's, 
I feel like you're doing something to your. I don't think the black cat's tail is specifically doing anything. I don't think either one. Anything. I think you're just getting cat hair in your eyes and it's watering them up. And now they feel like <laughs> yeah, they're tearing up. And they're like, puffing up. Yeah. And then they're. Yeah. Maybe you have an allergy. I, I don't know. Ugh. Well, so there's. <laughs> give that a shot and let me know. Um, I won't, but thanks. Another Appalachian tradition is to rub a cat's tail on your eyelid to get rid of a sty. I would argue that causes a sty. Let's not do that either, guys. Let's not. And then um, there's also folklore that says that black cats can predict weather. And if um, there's one Irish uh, rumor that if cats are scratching on a chair or sitting with their back to a fire, rain is to come. (gasps) Oh, if a black cat walks into your house, we're almost done, I swear. If a black cat walks into your house through the front door, it brings good luck to your entire home. But now I'm confused if it walks through the front door, but if it crosses your path, is it a net positive? What's uh, going on? Oh, does it cancel itself out? Yeah. Um, many occultists today have older opinions on black cats and still associate them with protectors of bad spirits. And thus the black cat as a witch's familiar is, you know, still at play a lot of times. All right. And today I want to see if you can guess, but today the top three countries with the most cat owners are. Top three countries. Like, okay. The U.S.? The U.S. is number three, with 43% of households having a cat. Okay. Um, who has a cat? Uh, <laughs> Sweden. No, it's it's number one is Russia with 59% of households oh, and wow. Ukraine with 49% of households. Wow. I would not have guessed Russia or Ukraine. So there you go. So we come in third. Um, All right. And then the last thing I'm going to say, this is my last fun fact, and it is a quote from The Collector um what the, the what it, the collector the collector it's a website oh okay that sounds very scary the collector it does the cat sounds, sounds like, like a, it could be a collector of souls yeah or something. it sounds like a criminal minds character villain you know no 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 this is just an article on the history of black cats or cats in general i guess but okay. this is what they had to say the british government offices are old and built in an area where there has always been problems with rodent infestations since the early 16th century a cat has always been employed by the government to deal with the problem today the current holder of the title of chief mouser to the cabinet office is larry who has held the position since 2011 and has served through the three administrations of prime ministers i love him so shout out to larry for doing or lawrence if you're feeling a little more posh chief lawrence the mouser to the cabinet office the mouser okay i'm sorry to scream but that's delightful really delightful so anyway that is uh that's the last thing i have to say about it but that is the 101 to black cat lore oh em you did such a good job thank you i never even thought about that as a topic it's so good i thought you know that was a good pre-halloween situation you know question did you know anybody growing up who like truly believed in who was like anti-black cat like i'm curious if you had someone in your life who was like very anti-black i always heard about it as like a like it was always understood to be a wives tale okay well why did you because my yeah my stepmother was so, so against black cats, oh. not in a jokey way, not in like a, oh, I'm, I'm just superstitious. Like she genuinely believed that they would 
do harm if they were in her vicinity. Yeah. So, yeah. So when we had two black cats, she would park at the end of the street and we'd have to walk home because she was like, <laughs> I'm not even shitting you. And th- I'm talking, sorry, the cats were not at her house. The cats were at my mom's house. But when she dropped us off at our mom's house, like when she found out we got a black cat, she parked at the bottom of the hill and we had to walk up because she was like, I'm not letting the cat crossed my path and we were like that's wild that's not real and it's a kitten and it's like six months old it's fine and she was like i won't i won't so we were like okay think i had anything like that with black cats but i do actually know quite a few people who are actually still to this day terrified to walk under a ladder yes oh she yeah and she i will say she was it wasn't just uh preserved for black cats it was every possible uh superstition salt Oof. like i was taught how to throw salt over my shoulder at a very young age um the the ladders friday the 13th doesn't leave the house like all of it like hard core you know it's um, interesting to me the we've already covered the number 13 before but it i yeah. mean it is wild how like a superstition can be can prevail so much so like to this day like elevators don't have a 13th floor no, hotels yeah. won't have a 13th floor like and it like dictates a lot of her life like no kidding i mean even like the uh sidewalk cracks like every little thing that you've heard as being like a potential superstition is something she takes like you know how sometimes you're like oh knock on wood just in case like for her it's a very 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 real mm. thing like it's based in reality sounds so, like a like a like a ocd thing too yeah i mean as somebody with ocd now like or you know who's been finally diagnosed and understands what that is i look at it and i'm like huh you know but you know i'm no i'm no doctor but uh it does Mm. have similar vibes (laughs) yeah to that so i agree with you um but i don't know it's uh it's just something that used to drive me crazy because i would have to take my backpack in my school uniform and walk up you know that's wild steep ass hill just because she didn't want to that is a steep ass hill yeah it is uh, (laughs) right that's true you've seen it it's a steep ass fucking hill Um, i mean also you were living in a cemetery like wednesday adams imagine if like a black cat happened to also be i have in your hilarious pictures of the black of our black cats uh sitting in the cemetery because people would go in there and see the black cats and you could hear them from our if i had my window open you could hear people being like oh my god a black cat in the cemetery and i'm like shadow like we've been trying to train him not to go in the cemetery but he they would just sit on the gravestones and i'm like you, you are always know such what an you're aesthetic doing. you're just like a, a walking vibe <laughs> i just feel like they knew what they were doing they were like we know we're causing a ruckus in this neighborhood <laughs> they were like we'll get him we'll get him don't worry. we'll get him this time yeah um, I thought it was hilarious. Some people not so much, but I love black yeah. cats. I will you know say, funny? Oh. sorry, I was just gonna say I love black cats, but like my white, so I have a very white cat, very black cat. My white cat is definitely the more like scary one. Oh yeah, Juniper's <laughs> terrifying. Moonshine He's is the more intense. Precious. Yeah, moon. Like if anyone's gonna be the devil himself, it's definitely Juniper, not Moonshine. I was actually on. Um before people freak out no I, i'm not actually serious about it but i was bored last night and for like chuckles i was on pet finder oh we all I was do that like, yeah don't worry it's like zillow but pets so it I, was is. Like, I was like I was like, let me just see if i were to adopt a pet right now which one would i adopt mm-hmm. um and i've always thought i mean black cats are my number one favorite and i also really like the black and gray striped ones like the really tight stripes cute. The, yeah oh I think yeah, they're yeah, yeah so cute um 
But white cats, I don't like them. I have a weird visceral reaction to them. And Juniper really confirms it for me. But you know what is his redeeming quality is the different colored eyes. Oh, yeah. See, that cracks me up about him. He has those... Blue and there's something eyes. about it where i'm like i'm 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 intrigued but from a distance but like white cats and i seemingly have never gotten along very I, well that so. cracks me up because also the all we know about juniper because he was uh astray but he was born to um a black and white like tuxedo cat and then the mom was a turkish angora and so i looked up turkish angora and because they're they have that double eye color thing mm-hmm. and they're described as the Turkish prince cat uh-huh. breed. Wow. And I'm Ain't like, that well, that kind of, that fits perfectly well. It's a very like lady in the tramp situation because the, the other cat was just like a black and white street cat. And then and <laughs> the mom was like a princess, you know, <laughs> what was their kid's name? Scamp lady in the tramp their son was named scamp oh, oh, so oh, 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 i guess oh. juniper is the scamp of the household although he's the opposite of the he's like the other other sibling who's like no i'm more like mom <laughs> right okay got it got it <laughs> oh but anyway i love my my kitty cats well good job em that was really good thank you thank I you didn't now know i'm ready any of that i'm ready to be bummed out okay i feel like I fucked up because I did not bring like a Halloween-y episode because next episode is Halloween episode. So I was like, I'm going to go all out for the Halloween episode. This one um, is horribly upsetting. Well, do what you do best, Christine, and tell us all about it. Sorry. Um, I'm, I don't know if you can tell. My palms are already drenched in sweat because I'm nervous. Um, okay. So this is the story of Heather Mayer. And uh, just a little note here, uh, this case is still active. It's relatively okay. recent. So uh, a lot of this uh, inf- information comes from one particular source, which is a uh, thorough investigative journalism piece by Andy Mannix. And that was published in the Star Tribune this year. It was, it, it's one of those pieces where I'm like, oh, I'll just skim it. But then I end up like really invested and read the whole thing, look through all the photos and the uh, it's a really well done piece. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. Uh, Andy Mannix interviewed people involved in the case, poured over official reports and listened to recorded police interviews to put together this story. And because the case is open, there's not really any like dateline on it yet or like any, um, you know, contemporary tv shows that have covered it so it's like a relatively new case that's very um unlike you because i I know i feel like characteristically you usually wait until you've got the answer at the end or a lot of people have covered it yeah and i'm thinking that i think i think this is one that sersha reached out to me our researcher and was like hey what do you think about this one because like a lot of times i'll say oh here are the ones i want to cover soon like let's start researching but i think this one sersha was like hey i just like my my eye it just caught my eye you know and i was like go Mm -hmm. for it um so i was really new to the case as well uh and then sersha also wrote another note here saying i want to call attention to the use of the word victim in this story because uh you know as we're discussing the word spooky and all the you know the meaning of words um you know i'm not gonna say I'm not going to come in so hot like we did last time. Uh, But I'm going to say, you know, this is something I didn't really think about. But I guess it's just important to think about our words, you know, like think think about Mm -hmm. language. Even if we continue using it and stuff, it's always nice to kind of 
know where it comes from, know what it its intended meaning is. And um, apparently there are uh, several people within the story who refer to be called survivors instead of victims, which oh, I think okay. is an, a fair, you know. But, you know, there are people in the story who did not survive. And so f- for that, we would use the word victim in this case, but we're trying to use it as sensitively as possible. It's just, um, you know, it's just another word to kind of think about, especially in the true crime space. I feel like these words are so loaded. Um, mm-hmm. And so just something to think about. In any case, this is the story of Heather Mayer. I want to, and I don't often do this, but I want to give a massive trigger warning for domestic violence, sexual violence. Um, it's really fucked up. I'm so sorry, you guys. It's really fucked up. Ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So sorry, As the yeah. mouthpiece for everybody. Yep. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, here yeah. we go. Okay. So Heather Mayer grew up in Nurstrand, Minnesota, which is a rural and quiet town with a population of just 273 as of the 2020 census. And Heather's wow. mother, Tracy Detling, was unfortunately already experiencing a very difficult life. Just it, it, one of those like... um. What was the phrase we accidentally used uh, when we were trying to describe <laughs> that book where we were like, bad things happening only uh, by Lemony Snicket? Yeah, a series oh, of unfortunate series events. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it felt like that was already Tracy's, Heather's mother's experience because her first child, Lucas, died of SIDS as a baby. Then mm. her daughter at age 19 was in a terrible car accident and she became quadriplegic with lifelong cognitive disabilities, just like freak accidents, both both of them so far. Wow. wow. And so then there was Heather and Heather grew up, despite all this trauma within her family, like pretty, quote unquote, normally for kids her age in this town she went to local church and football games she played outside spent long weekends at a cabin exploring and having fun loved to read especially romance novels was very witty creative had a really fun sense of humor loved to make people laugh but she was also struggling pretty deeply because i mean these things seem to come in threes heather tracy's third daughter third child i'm sorry uh was raped as a teenager by two men who gave her a ride home and refused to let her out of the car until she gave in to their demands. Mm. And so this sent her in a lifelong like kind of anxiety spiral and just contributed to a lot of mental health issues she had, mostly disabling anxiety that basically made it impossible for her to function throughout the day. Um, And it was, I mean, debilitating, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was starting at age 16. So she really struggled. She dropped out of high school. She started sneaking out and was, you know, having sex with people. And this was kind of a coping mechanism, you know, for trying to gain control back after being Mm -hmm. sexually assaulted. She did eventually get her GAD, but even work, you know, as an, as an adult was difficult, uh, with the intense anxiety she had. She had a kind-hearted and protective nature, and 
just as an example of that, when she was 17, she met a teenage boy who lived under a local bridge and she really wanted to help him. And so as she was trying to help him get back on his feet, they actually ended up in a romantic relationship in which Heather became pregnant and the two of them got married. So Heather gave birth to their first son and then two more boys in the following year. So they had three kids together. But unfortunately, you know, her marriage to their father didn't last. And by age 25, she was a single mother with these three kids. What Heather was seeking this whole time was some sense of community, like a place to belong, somewhere where she felt like understood and safe. And she found that place in the BDSM scene. Sure. So BDSM, uh, for those who don't know, stands for bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, sadism and masochism. And, you know, I think a lot of us nowadays are much more aware of how uh, how the kind of bad rap it got over the years is not quite mm-hmm. correct. Uh, no, it's not. It's misunderstood. <laughs> You know what I mean? Very much. Um, you and I have yeah. talked about this just as like as a concept, you know, um, and I feel like people kind of have sometimes get the wrong idea about that community. And so it may be surprising for some of you, but, you know, we're all learning to find out that there is actually a thriving global community surrounding BDSM. Um, but to those who are involved in it, like that's the norm. It makes perfect sense because people who engage in BDSM, very strict rules and regulations to keep it safe for the people involved, um, very structured, very welcoming place, uh, unlike what you might hear, you know, on TV or in the right. media. So people who engage in BDSM often describe it as an exchange of power, where one partner consents to submit to another partner who consents to dominate. So you got like a, a dom relationship, sub sub-relationship. When executed correctly, it's a healthy, consensual relationship that gives people in either role a strong sense of control over their own bodies and lives. And that's what's so appealing to so many people. BDSM activities are called scenes because participants agree beforehand on what they will do as if sort of following a script that's been set in advance. Yeah, they use it's strict- very, I was going to say, it's also, I know it's very very heavily based in communication and trust Mm -hmm. so like there's no communication that's a big one Mm -hmm. yeah there's you know there's you're not going into things without i'm talking about it like i'm part of this community i i I have friends though so yeah yeah just about every question um but yeah it's it's a very um the you if you're if you're not completely transparent from the beginning and you're not with a partner you trust it's it's not happening yeah, you need to be really on board with being, uh, with following the rules to make sure everyone feels safe and uh, has a, a good experience. It's It just can get twisted and abused by the wrong people, as we will see in this story, unfortunately. So BDSM activities they're called scenes because it's sort of like a scripted situation they use strict boundaries open communication and safe words to ensure the safety of everyone involved and like the comfort of everyone involved as well many people who participate are actually survivors of past sexual violence and other abuse and they feel that bdsm allows them to reclaim control over their bodies and work through their trauma among like-minded people with shared experiences and just to clarify, that's not to say everyone who is 
you know, in the BDSM community is doing it because they were, uh, you know, sexually assaulted. That's not at all what I'm saying. But there are definitely some people who find it a very cathartic and healing way to deal with past trauma like that. And that is where Heather comes in because that is how Heather felt. She was like, you know what? This is a great place for me to feel like I'm in control of my sexuality and body after being, you know, brutally assaulted all those years Mm -hmm. ago. Research has found that not only are people in the BDSM community no more likely to experience relationship issues or trauma than the general population, but in many cases, they're actually happier and more fulfilled, which is interesting. Hmm. And according to Dr. Filippo M. Nimby, a researcher of clinical psychology and sex, quote, people engaging in BDSM are usually people who have thought a lot about their sexuality. They have explored and faced their sexual boundaries. Basically, they know what they like and they do it. This is a positive outcome on their sexual experiences and on the overall quality of their lives. So BDSM is often an extremely social activity with multiple participants. Some are engaging in the acts with one another. Others are watching. Uh, But the community is highly self-policing with widely agreed upon rules. And you have Mm -hmm. to agree to those rules before you join. Heather played a vital part in her community. She was a moderator for an online BDSM group with hundreds of members who also got together in person for casual meetups and parties. And basically, Heather's job was to vet new members and keep out those people who are predators and were just trying to use BDSM to veil abusive behaviors and violate oh, people's consent. Her. Yeah, that was her main uh, task as part of this group. Yeah, that's great. Many people relied on Heather and admired her dedication to protecting their safety, protecting their community. But unfortunately, even the most informed, self-assured people can, of course, become victims of abuse. Um, Although some people, sure, uh, are more vulnerable to abuse due to social and socioeconomic factors, mental health factors, what have you, abuse, as we know, can happen to anyone. So Heather... This is where the asshole comes into the picture. Oh. She begins a relationship with a, with a man named Asan Karam, who identified as a dom or a dominant. Asan grew up in the Twin Cities, and he got into martial arts at a young age to defend himself against frequent bullying. As part of this journey, he became a professional MMA mixed martial arts fighter, but he retired early due to an injury. And that's when he began working as a security guard in St. Paul and also joined the local BDSM scene and became an active member. So Asan was 36 years old and he was already living with a 24-year-old woman named Bella Bree when he started seeing Heather for the second time. That's because he had actually dated Heather many years before, very casually. So fast forward, they reconnect. He's already living with a young woman named Bella. And Mm -hmm. Bella was a student at the University of Minnesota, but she had to drop out for medical reasons because she was undergoing several back surgeries. So she was struggling to get back on her feet, literally and metaphorically. And she was about to lose her apartment when she met Asan on Tinder. And it felt like th- like fate, right? Like, Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Let's just uh, throw out the term that I'm going to talk about in a moment called love bombing. Um, mm-hmm. 
Bassan immediately began to shower Bella with gifts and affection. This is oftentimes an abuse tactic within the dynamic of an abusive relationship. Uh, often a manipulation tactic used to make someone dependent on the abuser or or almost give the abuser control, make the other person feel safe and taken care of before things turn in a darker mm. direction. Before long, Asan asked Bella to move in with him because she was struggling to keep her own living situation together, and she happily agreed. They got married in March of 2018, which was only seven months after they met. And once they got married, Asan had Bella sign a submission contract. Oh. So, yeah, this submission contract named Asan as Bella's owner. Ooh. Uh, He would dictate when she slept, when she woke up, her exercise routine, when she was allowed to eat, and when she was required to have sex with him. Failure to comply with the contract resulted in physical punishment. So apparently such contracts are not uncommon in the BDSM scene, but Isan took things beyond consensual, which is where it becomes not part of the BDSM scene because consent is a huge part of BDSM. Yeah, I'm all re- like I'm I'm down with people signing contracts and you know BDSM and all. I just I you already said the asshole. I you already, know what's coming, right? Like so we know what's I'm coming. I'm primed to hate this. Yeah, I mean I've already told you it's an abusive relationship. So saying like he controls when she has sex with him is the biggest red flag we've ever yeah. heard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So just the fact that this is not about a consensual dynamic. It's about an agreement for him to control every aspect of her life without her consent is worth, mm-hmm. you know, immediately, obviously. Yeah. It's very, not about BDSM anymore. He just no. wants control of a person. Yes. Correct. So he often had other women staying in the house under false pretenses as well. Uh, there was one woman who moved in named Morgan and he told, even though he's married to Bella at this point, he told Morgan that Bella was an ex-girlfriend who was just staying in his house because her mom died recently. And since he was Bella's owner, he demanded, he ordered Bella to go along with this story and pretend to openly mourn her mother, who was, by the way, still alive, for weeks as part of, like, this weird story he was telling women to, like, get them to stay in his house. So... Essentially, he now has a second woman living there under the pretense that, oh, Bella's just an ex-girlfriend and her mom died recently. Look how sad she is. So, yikes. Eventually, Asan and Heather reconnect and they start seeing each other again. And Heather began staying over several nights a week before moving into the house as well as the third woman under the roof in autumn of 2018. Heather and Bella became friends, and Heather would go out of her way to make Bella smile, like surprising her at work with a picnic they shared, sitting on the hood of their car. And before long, Asan, of course, started abusing all three women under the pretense of BDSM relationships. Mm. This is where things get very dark, folks. He started beating them violently beyond anything they'd consented to with objects they never approved of, including metal pipes. (gasps) sometimes heathers and morgan's children stayed in the house and the women had to endure violence silently so their children wouldn't hear it oh my god oh my god morgan later reported that asan even beat her until he broke her ribs 
And he beat them until they would sometimes pass out from the pain. And then he would post photos of their bruises to social media under the guise of consensual BDSM. Being like, look what a fun time we had. Whoa. 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 This one's upsetting. They're all upsetting. But this one made me jump a little bit. Asan once took a video holding Heather's head underwater in a bathtub. Oof, she so ended up torture. Torture. It's torture. It's torture. She ended up with pneumonia, bronchitis, and an ear infection from that oh experience. My God. She once texted Asan about his cruelty and abuse, saying, "You are going to hurt someone or kill someone someday." Asan was drinking excessively, and despite the situation, Heather still wanted to help him. It was just kind of her nature. Mm-hmm. In one message, he insulted her and called her slow. Heather responded, I am not. I'm intelligent, resourceful, helpful, and kind. I'm not always perfect, and I have my less than pretty moments, but I'm a pretty good person who just chooses the wrong men to be with. What's crazy is how smart you are, and instead of using it to have a great life and happiness, you would rather hide and do nothing and stay in all of this chaos. Wow, good for her. I know. And so that yeah, that gives you an idea of like that dynamic. I also so two questions. Mm-hmm. One is and you may not know these, but how was she able to say something like that to him without repercussion? And mm. two, was she or any of these women cuz it sounds like they were able to leave and go to work and stuff like that. Were they afraid to go to the police or did they think because i signed a contract i there's nothing they can do about it so i don't know the answer to the first question i mean my guess is that she probably was punished for that um but as for your second question um i do have a little bit of uh information on that in a couple bullet points so once i share those let me know if that answers it or if or not um Okay. I'll get okay. to that momentarily. I think I think it might answer your question. Um, so, you know, true to Heather's protective nature and trying to keep people safe, she often took beatings on behalf of the other two women whenever she could. Like she would try to step oh, in the God. way to get to keep them to spare them from any of the, the abuse. What a so hero. Jeez. I know, I know, I know. So uh, in answer to your second question about, you know, was it fear keeping them? Was it the contract? Well, in December of 2018, Morgan actually made her getaway in fear for her life. While Asan was at work, her co-worker helped her move into an apartment rented under his name so that Asan couldn't find her. And what's really kind of a sweet twist to the story, which is probably the only sweet twist to the story is that for more happily for Morgan, uh, the man who helped her move into an apartment under his name, they actually fell in love, got married, bought a house Aww. and had a child together. So oh, wow. very like Prince Charming, you know, like he saved the day. Um, but Heather and Bella were still stuck with Asan. And again, I think this might add a little more context as well to your question. But Heather and Bella were stuck there because in early 2019 police responded to a call from heather because she had broken up with Asan and he had attacked her locked her out of the house with her children still inside oh and shit police had to break a window to get inside and Asan actually tried to grab one of the officer's guns in the process 
So in the end, he was taken to jail temporarily on domestic abuse charges and obstruction of justice. And Heather filed a no contact order and vowed to stay away from his son. But as we know, uh, all Mm -hmm. too well, leaving an abuser isn't simple or easy. Uh, It can be extremely dangerous because abusers often follow through with their threats of retaliation. Many abuse victims fear for the lives, not only of their own lives, but of their friends, their children, their relatives, uh, because abusers know how to make threats that are genuinely terrifying, like to threaten your family, your children, your coworkers. Like it it goes beyond just a threat to your life. It goes to your own circle. The the layers to the onion are Mm -hmm. deeper than you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's breaking up with an abuser is not a linear situation no definitely not definitely not one study actually found that 20 percent of homicide victims related to intimate partner violence were not even uh the uh the victims themselves they were actually family members Mm -hmm. new intimate partners friends acquaintances police officers and strangers instead of the actual immediate abuse victims themselves so 20 percent of deaths involved are like not even of you know it's just people who are collateral damage collateral crossfires yeah and that's almost scarier a lot of times than threats to yourself because like the last thing you want is someone to hurt your parents your children you know Mm -hmm. as part of this so and it seems like oftentimes abusers will go through with those threats so of course Asan had emotional control over heather and she definitely feared what he was capable of She had lived with him for a long time, and she also felt like this was her home. Like, she had lived there for so long. She had known him for so long. Her children lived there. And victims of abuse are also conditioned to rely on their abusers for emotional and often financial security. So in the end, as you said, not a linear process by any means. Heather actually asked the court to lift her no-contact order against Hassan. She changed her mind. While he sent her texts instructing her how to downplay the abuse that she suffered. Mm. So Asan told Heather to tell the judge she suffered from bipolar disorder and that she stopped taking her medications. And that's what led to her accusations against him. Wow. Yikes. Wow. It seems apparently like even the attorney, his attorney, instructed Heather on how to lift the order, which was a huge legal conflict and also ethically a big ethical violation um Mm -hmm. knowing about the abuse and saying oh here's how here's how here's what to say to the judge to get my client off the hook and the scariest thing too is like i can't imagine the um additional punishments or rage that she would be going home to Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and even think about bella who was because now one of the girls has already left and didn't right. come back for a second. Heather was gone. So poor Bella was getting the brunt of three people exactly with, with an angry man who's She's taking like the out only additional victim anger. left. Yeah. The only, I, again, I'm saying victim. See, I'm trying to think more sure. You know, yeah. open-mindedly or, what have you or think about my words but yeah she's the only woman left as you said to like bear the brunt of this Um, yeah when when usually it was spread across three people and he was already one level of angry now imagine incredibly angry and she's the only one there right and then right when heather comes back imagine like the quote punishment she's getting for putting him through all that turmoil and if she doesn't follow his instructions and his lawyer's instructions i'm sure that would only make the punishment worse 
And if he knows, I'm just trying to think like an abuser at this point, but just to follow along. But Mm -hmm. like, if, if her whole thing was always like essentially volunteering as tribute every time that he wanted to hurt somebody and he knows that she wants to protect, Mm -hmm. you know, Bella and the other girl, like when she comes back, her punishment might be watching Bella get beaten up or something Oof. of like, look what you did, you know? Yeah, like, I have to imagine part of the suffering <sighs> or stress or like turmoil in her mind too is like, what's happening to Bella while I'm gone? Like, yeah. can I, should I go back and like make sure she's okay? I mean, that's got to be one of the reasons that she even went back because you know he said something to her about like, mm. I'm going to hurt Bella if you don't come back. Yeah, or, you it's know, something. It's definitely at least implied threats, you know, whether they were mm. spoken or not, but just a very, very scary and complex situation. And it just, noth- I mean, nothing angers me more than people who just say like, well then leave you know it's I can't it's uh, well it just if it just there's no faster way to out yourself as someone who's never been through it right <laughs> so. exact point great point great point great point so this attorney apparently instructed heather on how to lift the order which was a huge conflict of interest and ethical violation and the judge even commented that it would probably be good for Heather's children to get back together with Asan to have a stable family life with Asan. Who said that? The judge. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Are you it's kidding infuriating. me? Infuriating. It's infuriating. Uh so the order was lifted in June of 2019. I mean it was at Heather's request, but still very shady situation. Two weeks Can later. I... Okay. What? Nothing. Sorry, I, I, I was going to, I was going to ask, I hear 2019 and I know what's around the corner, which is 2020. Mm. Well, does, okay. Let's I, just go back okay. to 2019 because so June of 2019, the order is lifted. Two weeks later at age 33 years old, Heather was dead on july 4th 2019 police responded to the house heather shared with Hassan to a call from bella apparently heather had hanged herself in the basement Mm. when police arrived a woman named holly was doing chest compressions on heather she immediately told police that heather had bipolar disorder and hadn't taken her meds earlier which was kind of an eerie echo of Asan's manipulation tactics, like, tell the judge you have bipolar. Initially, Holly reported that Asan was at work when Heather died, but a little bit later, she actually told police that Asan had been there when Heather died, and he'd he'd helped her take Heather down from the chain before they called police. Mm. Then she explained that he fled the scene while Holly did CPR, and Holly explained it by saying, we know how it looks because of, like, the domestic violence. Uh, yeah yeah so police briefly spoke with Hassan at the house later that night and he told them heather had willingly climbed into the chain which strangled her and that she had the keys and could have released herself at any time he said he left heather alone in the chain although he did check on her several times throughout the night and when he found her dead they called the police right away according to him the police asked Hassan to do an interview, and Hassan told them to contact his lawyer, but there is no record that the police ever followed up with him again. 
What? They observed the scene. They saw sex and drug paraphernalia in the basement with Heather. She was undressed, and they immediately ruled the death a suicide and said, the end. Case closed. (laughs) That takes my breath away fully. It is breathtaking (sighs) in the worst way. I wish this was the first time on this show I had something nasty to say about the police and their lack of investigative skills. Um, how do well, you? What? How do you? Fortunately, what? okay. Death investigator Brianna Dibble of the Hennepin County Medical Examiner's Office was not convinced, Good. and as someone oh, who God. one person had some, you know, a woman, by a the little way? insight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a hmm. woman. Funny. She had investigated hundreds of deaths in her career, and she had never seen a woman commit suicide while naked. That was actually the thing that stood out to her the most. Oh. Oh. Heather's children were upstairs, and she thought it was unlikely Heather would risk one of them finding her without clothes on. And, like, just seriously strong note here, this is not to shame victims of suicide who, like, would take their lives in other circumstances. Right. Uh, Brianna herself, just based on her own professional and personal experience found this very unusual and it was a red flag and she also noted the many injuries covering heather's body police told brianna not to bother with any homicide investigation protocol regarding heather's body they had even covered her with a dirty sheet which contaminated the scene oh my god i know oh my god brianna followed homicide protocol anyway uh so she did but the police had already made up their minds This is when Tracy, Heather's mom, comes back into the picture. Okay. Tracy gets a call about her daughter's death, and she rushes to her grandchildren and then asks police if Asan had killed Heather. She did not believe Heather would die by suicide, especially with her own children in the house. And Tracy already knew about Asan's abuse. She had actually pleaded with Heather to leave him, and she was convinced that Asan was actually the cause of her daughter's death. Hmm. however the county ultimately decided not to file any charges related to heather's death and this is when tracy went on a rampage she demanded everything from the county she wanted documents reports everything down to police body cam footage all of it she wanted access to all of it and as she was getting this information she realized very quickly that things were not adding up So after Bella's initial short interview with the police the day Heather's body was found, she later told investigators that Asan and Holly had actually coached her on what to say. She admitted it was all about just making sure I don't say that he left her there, that she did it herself. So now Bella's basically saying Asan made me say all those things to police like, oh, no, it was all her. Uh, I mean, I feel like we all saw that coming. Do with it. Exactly. (laughs) She said, quote, he was there with her and he left her there, chained by the neck in the basement by herself while they were doing alcohol and cocaine. I don't (sighs) think she took her life. And that's like a damning statement from someone who lives in the house, knows Heather very well, is close with her and is in essentially the same relationship with Asan that Heather is. So it's someone who really intimately knows the details of this relationship. So if she's saying, I don't think she was the one who took her life. Like that should count for something in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. 
So it was vital for Hassan that everyone believed Heather put herself in the chain and had access to the key to free herself at any time. But Bella said that when she discovered Heather was dead and tried to call the police, Hassan and Holly said they needed to find the key to get her down first. So she helped them search for 10 minutes until Hassan said he found the key right at Heather's feet, which Bella said did not make sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, how convenient. (laughs) How fucking convenient. He unlocked Heather, took her down, and told police the key was right there for Heather to use all along. She just didn't use it. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Bella also told police she had seen Heather in handcuffs with her hands behind her back the morning she died, and the autopsy photos showed contusions on her wrists. So if Heather were handcuffed around her back, she wouldn't have even been able to use the key that was supposed to take the chain off of her neck. The second that I heard, oh, she had the key on her, it's like, no, she didn't. Like, Like, what are you talking about? Or if she did, if she felt herself dying, she would have done something about it. Like, so immediately I knew that was bullshit. Okay. Well, he's claiming it's suicide. So he's saying, oh, she must have, like, tossed the key or, you know, intentionally not used the key. Nobody else is playing that game. No, and and it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially if her hands were literally tied behind her back. Yeah. Okay. Like that's like was she Houdini? No. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I love this about Tracy, Heather's mom. She guesses her daughter's passwords and accesses her her social media, which I love. Uh, her social medias and texts, and she finds messages where Heather says Asan did not respect her safe word, red. Uh, Red is actually somewhat of a universal safe word in the BDSM community, and a common safe word is actually useful in social settings so that if there are multiple people involved in scenes, um, they know, everyone kind of knows when a person is asking to pause uh, so they can keep a scene safe, uh, even from the outside, which I think is really cool. So smart. I didn't even think about that. I know. Fun fact. So when someone uses their safe word, the, the supposed way that this is supposed to go is that everyone involved in the scene should stop to see what the person needs immediately no hesitation no it's safe word means stop Mm -hmm. in messages heather described asan violating that rule and this breaks my heart like really makes me upset it says she texted him i said red so many times it's fucking heartbreaking so you know she was like desperate she's trying to get out of the situation oh my god in another message to Hassan, she accused him of using kink to justify abuse which is Mm -hmm. absolutely what's happening using heather's phone tracy got in touch with morgan the one who had uh you know left uh a while before the third woman that had been living there and she agreed to make a statement to the police as well about Hassan's abuse. And she also sent Tracy an image from Hassan's social media in which he was subjecting Heather to violence and humiliation under the guise of BDSM online and sharing mm. these things without her consent. You ready for the caption he wrote under uh, one photo? Um, what? He posted a photo of her, of Heather, uh, you know, in bad shape and wrote pray for this bitch y'all she's got a rough month ahead of her (gasps) and bella was able to confirm that the photo was taken while heather's protective order against asan was still active (gasps) (sighs) so whoa 
The reality was that Heather never actually managed to achieve any distance from Asan to consider her options and leave for good. So even when she had that statement in place, he was still managing to keep her under his thumb. And, and it, it confirms us saying, like, imagine the punishment she's going to get from precisely, this. Precisely. Precisely. Like, that piece of paper did nothing, as we see time and time again. Morgan sent investigators a video of Asan choking her while she was drunk and high. And when apparently she didn't want to participate in scenes or record them, Asan would make her drink alcohol and smoke weed until she was unable to refuse. And the flip side of that is unable to consent. Mm -hmm. So yep. she said, quote, in the video, you can see that I'm just not there at all. <gasps> the investigator she spoke to, this is going to make your blood boil, remained skeptical that any crime had occurred. He seemed to think willingness to participate in BDSM meant Assange's victims automatically consented to everything and therefore couldn't be abused. I mean, that's so like she people was, who... Oh, so she was asking for it. She wanted it, yeah. And this is like the same, in my mind, a very similar uh, thought process as people who say oh if you're married you can't be raped like mm -hmm. by your partner because or like if you're a sex worker you're asking for it yeah or, ex for uh, rape yeah exactly it's yeah, that same idea of like well this. you agreed to this uh contra contract so ooh, ooh, it's very ooh. dark very dark oh my god and even uh, yeah and it just goes to show you how you know i'm not even um I'm not trying to accidentally become like you know the advocates of bdsm here but like this just goes to show you that like which like i mean i guess we can be the advocates of bdsm whatever but no, like, sure i i think they didn't whatever. ask for us to be but <laughs> i didn't ask for it either but um like this just goes to show how much further we need to go in mm -hmm. educating people because all that so he was just riding off of a misconception again mm -hmm. of like oh well you're a bunch of like sex freaks and yeah beyond you comprehension like pain and, and getting tied up so he beat you up isn't that what you exactly. wanted exactly there's just exactly. like such a lack of understanding of nuance of what a fucking it, asshole. Oh my it, God. It, it is. It's deeply disturbing. Um, he actually, he went on. So there's more for you here. He compared Morgan's quote participation in the scenes to being coerced into a boxing match. He said, quote, <gasps> you can't come back a month later and say, Hey, I didn't agree to get my ass kicked, but at the same, same time you agreed to fight. Oh my God. It's, it's, I don't that know that person. That it, buddy. That ain't it. It's, it's, I don't know this person and I'm not trying to like, you know, throw direct accusations at this person, but people who say things like that, I, I would never sh allow you to like keep my drink safe. Like, no, I like you're telling me that like, like, I wonder what your history is with women, like, or anyone. Like, I'm just, I'm just, if that's your, the way that you think. I would. I'm just curious what else is going on. I don't behind trust. Closed doors. I don't trust you. Let's put it that at way. I don't all, really trust you with all. my safety. No. 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 Couldn't. But with pressure and evidence mounting, police reluctantly agreed to reopen the case, and the investigation led to another survivor of Assan's abuse, 32-year-old Gabby Schmeichel. She was new to BDSM and was looking for an experienced and caring mentor. She followed Morgan, Bella, and Heather on social media and thought that if experienced women like them associated with Asan, he must be a safe, 
person, which is a fair assumption, right? She's like, I trust these women. I know that they've, you know, they know what they're doing in the BDSM space. And if they're all with Asan, like he must be someone I can trust. Right. Obviously, unfortunately, that was not the case. So the day after Heather's death, Asan arranged a meetup with Gabby. She noticed there was a weird vibe in the house, but nobody told her that Heather had been found dead the day before in the house. She was just like, the vibe is off. Yeah, the vibe (laughs) is off. Yeah, you're right. Girl, run. The vibe is off. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. Asan told Gabby if she wanted to be involved with him, she'd need to pass an audition. Which, oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, yeah, I knew you would love that. Which entailed her allowing Asan to do anything he wanted to her with no safe word and no limits. <gasps> what? Yeah. So he's not even fucking playing the game anymore. No, he's like... not even pretending. How? And right after a death just happened the day here? When... after Heather's death. Wouldn't you be so anal to make sure that you didn't look at all like a dangerous right? fucking person? It's like and baffling. this is when you're picking to just say, "Oh, forget all of the rules in this very mm-hmm. rule, like very heavily rule conditioned oriented. space." Yeah, yes, rule or rule, rule oriented industry or field or whatever, and to be like, "Oh, we're not going to do a contract. We're not going to do a safe word." If you don't have a safe word, I don't know enough about BDSM, so this could be. I maybe I don't know enough, but in my my interpretation of it is, if you don't have a safe word. You're not doing BDSM. Like, that's not, I feel like that's yeah, not how it, it works. It feels and, like uh, there's a very stand. There's a standard for these relationships. Like, yes, the safe word is there for a very important reason. Arguably, like one of the most important reasons to keep everyone safe. I mean, I, I can't imagine a bigger red flag. Yeah, big red, especially if he's saying like, "Oh yeah, I'm definitely safe to be around," but. In order to get to that relationship with me, you first have to do this. The opposite. You have to feel completely unsafe and have no <sighs> limits and no safe word. But you're and... also totally right. You're totally right that, like, she would have seen the, like, oh, these other people who are really confident yeah. in the BDSM world are with this guy. So, like, and maybe, have been like, for years, maybe there's something. Maybe I shouldn't be as worried. Like, I can totally see the mind game of, like, Yeah, and and she's, like, brand new to this this whole experience. So for her, she's like, well, maybe that's normal, you know? Maybe that's how it works, yeah. Yeah. It's really, really dangerous that he's, like, giving this false uh, reality to people of, like, what BDSM really is not. So later, Gabby... uh, said there was no consent there was no saying no this man is trained in jujitsu he's an mma fighter what am i going to do against him and he beat her relentlessly until she fled for her own safety but somehow asan convinced gabby to give him another chance which makes me think he must have some narcissistic qualities about him to be able to charm these people right back into his life you know what i mean like she fled and he somehow talked her into coming back for another chance i mean uh, he's he's ha- had some narcissistic tendencies from the beginning yes yes but no, i guess i mean he must be more charming ma- than i'm picturing him to be because yeah i yeah he's got something manipulative he's got going. something that he's drawing people back with you know and so <sighs> He, she gave him another chance, but the abuse continued until she filed a police report against him. 
The police told her there wasn't really a case because it all happened in the context of BDSM and her report went nowhere. I want to lose what a my surprise. Mind. I know. Meanwhile, Tracy, thankfully, this is Heather's mom, had made some headway in her daughter's case. Asan was going to be charged with violating the protective order Heather had against him before her death. So at least something is moving. His lawyer was also being investigated, remember, because I said she was coaching Heather to mm -hmm. help her own client, which was like a big no-no. And meanwhile, Asan moved on to another woman he met on a dating app named Stephanie Chow. Asan had moved. He moved to Tucson, Arizona, and immediately jumped right back into his old bullshit. Asan subjected her to the same violence he used on the other women in his life until Stephanie knew she was in grave danger. One day, a domestic violence call came into the Tucson police. The responding officer arrived to find Stephanie sprinting at full speed down a sidewalk with Asan in hot pursuit terrifying mm. asan tackled stephanie to the ground right in front of the police cruiser and started attacking her until the officer forced him back at gunpoint oh one God. of asan's and stephanie's neighbors told police that asan had been harassing them relentlessly he had even broken one of their windows and smeared it with his own feces <gasps> oh we have entered into a whole new what territory the now fuck oh is he my doing? god oh my god that's a full he is not with us. He is not well. Uh, there was also a national warrant out ordering his extradition to Minnesota for missing a court date. So authorities were supposed to escort him to Minnesota, but instead a judge let him out on a bond. And fun fact, Christine. nobody uh -huh. contacted Stephanie to warn her that he was coming back to their home. Christine. Dude, like it's be like it's. I don't even know what to, I don't even, there's no words, you know. So Asan waltzed through the door, the front door, and Stephanie was sure he would kill her. But thank Duh, God yeah. he didn't. Thank God he didn't. But it still seemed like Asan's reign of terror would never end. Like he was just getting away with it left and right. Again and again, the women who were reporting him were dismissed and accused of consenting to their abuse and probably getting worse abuse, like you said, as a punishment for reporting him. Yeah. So finally, Asan went back to Minnesota, where he stood in court on charges of violating Heather's protective order against him. And he had also been convicted of violating a protective order Bella had against him. Asan's attorney argued that Asan loved Heather and that she and the other women consented to everything he did. But Bella spoke up and said, nope, wasn't consensual at all. Good. The judge, good, girl. Good, good job. I mean, that must have been very hard to say in, in a setting like that. Oh, my God. I'm so proud of her. Me too. The judge ultimately sentenced Asan to the maximum penalty for this crime, which was only 90 days in jail. Uh, but for Tracy, this was the first moment of justice she had actually achieved for her daughter. So she walked out of the courtroom with her hands raised in celebration. But upon Asan's release within 90 days, he went right back to his old habits, of course, because they always do. He went to Florida to stay with Holly. Oh, my God. I know. In September, <sighs> Holly's friends called the police and sent them to her apartment where Asan was holding Holly captive. Mm -hmm. 
Holly yep. had tried to break up with Hassan and he choked her until she was unconscious, took her phone and held her against her will for 36 hours. <gasps> subjecting Why am I her surprised? to torture. Okay. Torture? Mm-hmm. This is a feat of genius. Holly finally used her Apple watch to message <gasps> a friend who called the police. I'm, I'm so fucking proud of her too. I know. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. Thank God. So Hassan was charged with assault, battery, and a first-degree felony for kidnapping that could mean up to life in prison. But of course, again, Hassan and his asshole attorney argued that this was all consensual and was all just part of BDSM. But Holly had spent two months in inpatient psychiatric care recovering from the trauma of this ordeal. And that pretty much showed like this was not consensual, right? Right. Years earlier, Holly really had loved and trusted Asan, and she had truly believed that he was innocent of any wrongdoing in Heather's death. And now she says she knows he is capable of very real violence. She said, quote, I really feel like the only people that know what happened are him and Heather, and obviously Heather can't speak for herself anymore. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, six women have accused Asan of abuse across four states. Four women have filed protective orders against him, and he has violated two. As of the story published in June of this year, so June 2023, covering this extensive case, charges were still pending against Hassan in Arizona for assault and in Florida for kidnapping. The Minnesota Supreme Court also enacted a 60-day suspension on Hassan's lawyer's law license and put her on a two-year probation for her involvement in having Heather lift her protective order against Hassan after he had already violated it. No. They should be disbarred. <laughs> disbarred. I, she should be disbarred. <laughs> so Bella divorced Hassan, thankfully, uh, and she made plans to go back to school and finish her degree. She and Morgan actually launched a website called What Happened to Heather, where mm. they detail the abuse that Hassan subjected all of them to. And to women in the BDSM community, this story is basically the stuff of nightmares. Like it's yeah, it's a worst possible case scenario that somebody that you feel like is a safe person to be with is violating your trust, violating your safe word. Especially when this is your place to reclaim your sexuality from assault a lot of times. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's this is supposed to be exactly where you don't have to worry about that. The opposite is what's supposed to be, literally, yes. You're supposed to be recovering, you know, from from any... You're supposed to feel like you're in control and in charge of your body. And it's almost like he's utilizing that against them. Think of the violation, not only of trust with a partner, but now any partner ever, first of right. all. And you have now probably been so traumatized that you have now lost a lot of relationships because you don't want to be in that community anymore. So I mean, like, it must it's not be just... hard to reenter that and trust people that you don't know very well. Yeah, ever. I, ever. I mean, that's it's not just a, a singular violation. It takes away a whole community. It's, yes. It's, um, and... Oh, my God. I, I, ima- I, mean, I imagine it would be hard to feel safe again in that community just because and of this I, one person. And what a... I mean, that's the downside, I guess, to, like, whatever, you know, kink culture is or whatever BDSM specifically could be is that there are still manipulative people out there who can take advantage of the fact that a lot of people don't understand it. Yes. And so you can... I mean, he literally just said, oh, no, that's not BDSM and got away with it, like, a million times. He's literally times. in hiding in hiding in plain sight you know totally just taking this taking advantage of a community and 
making it about something that that that's not what it's really for and it's very scary that people can hide like that and then get away with it just knowing that he can work off of other people's ignorance biases yes yes exactly so yeah like i said this of course is a stuff of nightmares to women in the bdsm community or people in general in the bdsm community but it's also unfortunately nothing new Uh, Women who survive abuse and who are also open about their sexuality are often dismissed as having consented to that abuse. And that really is a tragic and disturbing reality. Uh, Additionally, abuse survivors and victims continue to be blamed for their own suffering. Uh, It must just be such a slap in the face and be basically re-traumatizing you, you know, if people don't take you seriously for if you come to someone who's supposed to protect you whether it's your loved ones the police whoever the amount of times people are saying well you asked for it or you wanted it or well what did you expect or right and then on top of it you just got the general ignorant people to domestic violence who are like well why didn't you leave and it's like i mean every level of it you can't uh, you can't just have autonomy or feel like you're just like knocking on a glass wall and people are just like sorry nothing we can do it's yeah It's a scary, scary thought. Well, Morgan and Bella, who are now close friends and roommates, believe it or not, and who both have a son, thank God, out of their lives, launched a nonprofit called Heather House, which assists survivors of domestic violence. And uh, I think that's really special that, you know, they were able to reclaim, you know, something, something special uh, and and make make something great out of it um yeah i'm just uh that's the silver lining i suppose Mm. and that's the story that sucks christine (laughs) that sucks (laughs) horrible um hmm i don't know where to from I'll, there. I'll end us here. Uh, if okay. you are experiencing any domestic violence or know someone yes. who is, there are places that can help. Um, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1 800 799 7233. They also have English, Spanish, and 200 plus uh, interpretation services available. You can also chat with them uh, and you can send an SMS. You can text START to 88788. Uh, and, you know, uh we love you and uh you can you got this a general reminder to people too that the universal hand signal for i need help or i'm in a i'm in a violent domestic violent situation please help me um whether you're on zoom or you're in front of people is to have your palm out if you can see the screen on youtube but if not uh stick your hand out put your thumb into your palm and then close your fingers over your thumb and that mm. means help me. Um, so if you ever see someone doing that, please um, see something, say something. Didn't that happen? Uh, wasn't there uh, someone who did that in a car window and got I think rescued? so, yeah. 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 So just a reminder that if you see someone close their fingers over their thumb, they might be asking for help. So. Yeah, it is called the violence at home signal for help. Yes. So it's almost like you're you're getting uh it looks almost like you're getting trapped, like you're being held against your will is 
mm-hmm. almost the interpretation. Um, yeah. So. Uh, well, if if you know we can learn from anything, it's it's to educate ourselves more on on BDSM mm-hmm. and be there for people and stop asking people why they don't leave when there's mm-hmm. things going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, well. I don't know how Halloween themed that was, but it was certainly scary. Certainly was very frightening. Yeah. Of all things. But I promise next uh, episode will be Halloween-y in theme. Cool. Okay, cool. Well, uh, thank you, everyone. We're going to go do our after hours. Uh, Oh, I have a a topic. Is that okay? I've already prepared a uh, a little true crime quiz for you. (laughs) Oh, Christine loves a quiz. All right. I love a quiz. (laughs) We're going to go keep hanging out. If you want to listen, go join Patreon and um, we'll see you over there. And that's why we drink.